Harvard's great men. None was greater than Felix George Rowaton. Felix was considered by many to be the world's preeminent investment banker. He was the man who saved first Wall Street and then New York City from financial ruin in the early 1970s. For some 30 years at the end of the 20th century, he had unofficially presided over Lazard Frere, helping to transform it into Wall Street's most prestigious, enigmatic, and mysterious investment banking partnership. But on one of those impossibly close days in our nation's capital, in the summer of 1997, Rowaton found himself at the end of his tenure at Lazard, testifying before a Senate subcommittee in hopes of obtaining ratification of his appointment to a position he had long maintained was beneath him. It is a great honor for me to appear before you today to seek your consent to President Clinton's nomination of me to serve as the next American ambassador to France. The 69-year-old Felix told the Subcommittee on European Affairs of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. It is also a very emotional experience for many reasons. I am, as you know, a refugee who came to this country from Nazi-occupied Europe in 1942. As long as I can remember, going back to those very dark days, being an American was my dream. I was fortunate to achieve that dream, and America has more than fulfilled all of my expectations. To represent, at this time, my adopted country as her ambassador would be the culmination of my career. To have been nominated to represent my country in France, a country where I spent part of my childhood and with which I have had a lifelong relationship, both professional and personal, seems to me more than I could ever have hoped for. In truth, the thick-browed, beaver-toothed Felix had for more than twenty years campaigned relentlessly for more, much more. With absolute clarity of mind, he knew he deserved better than an ambassadorship, a position he once likened to that of Butler. Felix was the great man of Lazard, Le Corbusier of the most important mergers and acquisitions, or M&A, deals of the second half of the twentieth century, the ultimate rainmaker and corporate confidant who year after year single-handedly generated hundreds of millions of dollars in fees for himself and his partners, thereby controlling his colleagues through a delicious combination of fear and greed. After all, who could possibly afford to disobey a man who put so much money into his partner's pockets while taking far less than he was entitled to? When Felix called or wandered through Lazard's Spartan offices in one Rockefeller center, his partners snapped to attention, dropped whatever they might be doing, and acceded to his every wish. As his deal-making prowess continued unabated over the years, he had somehow also found the energy to volunteer his precious time and incomparable insights to solve two of this country's major financial crises of the second half of the 20th century. First, in the early 1970s, he worked round the clock to cobble together solutions that staunched the bleeding caused by the back-office crisis afflicting many of the largest old-line Wall Street brokerages. Through a series of nail-biting and courageously conceived mergers, Felix prevented the meltdown of a large part of the securities industry. Second, he is credited with almost single-handedly devising the financial rescue package that saved New York City from bankruptcy in 1975. Standing tall against President Gerald Ford and his incendiary refusal to help. With these matters resolved satisfactorily, Felix became Hamlet, the lone voice, the Democrat in exile during the fallow years of Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush, 
exhorting the party faithful to action through his regular dispatches in the tony pages of the New York Review of Books, creating what became nothing less than the Roatan Manifesto. He courted the great intellectuals and leaders of the day in his genteel salon on Fifth Avenue and at his annual Easter egg hunts at his Southampton manse. He was the epitome of the great man. By the time of Bill Clinton's election in 1992, he not only wanted desperately to be Secretary of the Treasury, but believed he had earned it. Maybe he even was owed it. Following Clinton's victory in November 1992, Felix vigorously lobbied for the post through the clandestine channels that exist for such genteel advocacy and by manipulating the levers he had pulled for years with the dexterity of a maestro. His legendary orchestration of the notoriously fickle troika of corporate chieftains, New York society, and the press was the envy of...